Hey guys, welcome to another episode of CamCast. Thanks for joining me again. And uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about the new NBA situation and the NBA bubble, or I guess officially as they're calling it, the NBA campus, which will be in Disney World in uh, Florida. And, you know, I'm going to talk about a lot of the things that maybe you guys don't know about, a lot of the facts, a lot of the rules that the NBA players are going to have to abide by, a lot of the controversies about restarting this season, uh, how we even got here, you know, some of the different proposals that were originally talked about to bring back the NBA to conclude its 2020 season. And then I'm going to obviously give you a lot of my thoughts about what I think about this, how it will work, why it will work, how it can work, you know, what has to go down for it to work. Um, yeah. So stay tuned and listen on. Let's do this. Thanks for joining in in episode two in CamCast. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I got really positive responses from episode one, which I really appreciate. I know we're not on a grand scale yet, but I know I, I like a lot of the positive comments of Phil. It makes me want to continue doing this, you know, continue doing it for, you know, maybe people that want to listen to my dumbass talk about different subjects, sports related or not, you know, going forward. Um, if, you know, if you like what you hear here, you like some of my ideas, maybe you, you just like to listen to sports talk, you know. Go ahead and like and subscribe on whatever platform you're using. You know, we we're I know we're predominantly going to be uh, listened to on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, but I know we're available on I think six or seven other lower key podcast forms, and also my uh, my my channel is on uh, Anchor.fm, which is kind of like my home base for a lot of the things that we've been doing. So if you like, you know, what I've been talking about, if you want to uh, get people in on the conversations that we'll be having later on, and you know, moving forward, go ahead and tell them about the site. Tell them about the the podcast and also follow on cam.cast on Instagram as I'll be updating when I release new episodes, you know, and, and different things in the future. You know, maybe I'll have uh, live events. I'll have, you know, a couple conversations with a few of my friends. Where we'll be talking about things that, you know, mean a lot to us. Like I, I know for a fact in the future, probably a couple weeks, me and my good friend will be doing a Kobe Bryant centered episode about what Kobe Bryant meant to us and you know, how you know, January 26th will always live as like a day where it's just, you know, it's just incredibly sad, not just for the NBA community, but, you know, the world as a whole, you know, losing that type of person. But uh, that'll be in the future. So go ahead and uh, if you're looking forward to something like that, you know, keep posted. Keep us keep posted on our Instagram feed and always, you know, uh, like and subscribe to the podcast so that way you can get that type of information. So today's episode, episode two, the CamCast, we're going to be talking about the NBA bubble and, you know, everything that's gone on with the NBA bubble and how things are going to be run once they get to Orlando and stuff like that. But for starters, we're going to, we're going to, you know, talk about how we got here. So March 11th of this year, the year 2020, it's kind of for me is like when the world kind of stopped, when it kind of like stood still, right? Because that was the day in which NBA decided that they were going to cancel their games because players in the Utah Jazz became infected with COVID-19. And I remember that scene like it was yesterday. I mean, it was only 101, exactly 101 days ago. But the the scene was interesting because the Jazz uh, medical doctor, he literally ran onto the court pregame right before the game was going to tip off. And he told the officials, hey, no, 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 we can't start, can't play. We can't do it, you know. These guys have tested positive for COVID, and that's kind of when it all stopped. The game was canceled. Fans were told to leave, and it was kind of it was surreal. You know, it was one of the most surreal things that I had ever seen. 
uh, apart from maybe the Pistons and Pacers brawl in 2005, which was also surreal because, you know, you got players going in there and fighting. But this was surreal for a different reason. Like, you know, we had heard about the COVID-19 taking effect in Italy. We had heard how it took over in China. But we hadn't really seen it in the United States so far to like such a grand scale. I mean, we had heard, you know, cases here and there. But I think what made it the most interesting is that it was the Utah Jazz. And that I think it was one or two days before that Rudy Gobert was seen, uh, you know, not taking the whole COVID-19 seriously. Uh, he was touching a lot of reporters' mics. Reportedly, he was in the Utah Jazz locker room, messing with their personal items, and you know, I guess touching his teammates. You know, and whatever you know, take that how you will. I mean, he's French, so I mean that could mean a couple of different things. But uh, <laughs> but you know, he's always going to be the face that people are going to remember when they talk about the NBA shutting down. You know, for for better or for worse. You know, as humans, we like to put a face as onto a person that we can shift all the blame onto. And that's always going to be Rudy Gobert. I know for a fact that it's not Rudy Gobert's fault that COVID-19 happened and it was widespread throughout the NBA. That was going to happen regardless. But because you had a player so openly against, uh, I guess, taking care of himself and, you know, therefore his fellow uh, teammates and people around him, that he's an easy scapegoat. And, you know, that's his fault. He should have been a lot smarter with how he was going to be doing things. But, I mean, this it's, you know, it is what it is at this point. So that day is always going to, and that, that day is always going to be kind of a weird thing. And I just remember that Utah Jazz medical person always running out there. But so we haven't had basketball or the NBA in 101 days. This week actually is the time in which the NBA champion would have been crowned. It would have been either this week or it would have been the week before. We'd be done with the NBA season. At this point, we'd be talking about the 2020 NBA draft and possibly, you know, who the Warriors were going to pick with the number one pick if they won the draft lottery, which we would have already found out because that would have been done in May as well. But instead, we're talking about how the NBA season is going to resume and their plans for resumption. So following March 11th there were you know a couple weeks where everyone was kind of like okay well how long is this going to last what is this going to look like are they going to cancel the season I remember like I think it was Bill Simmons of the LA Times he was always writing that the that sports are done for 2020 they're completely canceled no one's going to play any sports and I was never in that in that uh I guess in that wagon is that wagon that train I was never on that train you ask anyone around me, I was always saying, oh yeah, things are going to come back. It's going to be fine. I think that was just me trying to be a, an optimist. And that's simply because I love the NBA. You know, I'm, I am a huge NBA fan. I'm an enormous Lakers fan. I just want and we've had fucking what, 10 years of just mediocrity, I guess seven years of mediocrity. And then the three before that were just rough, you know, with Kobe tearing his Achilles and all that. And, but this was the season, you know, this was it. This was the time where the Lakers are going to come back. They're going to win the whole thing. And I was just going to be, you know, you're going to, I was just going to be obnoxious. I know I'm going to be obnoxious if they win it. I'm just, I'm going to be emotional. It's going to be a lot that's going into it. But this was the season. So I've been wanting the, the NBA to get back on their season ever since. So I believe it was beginning of April. We were starting to hear different ideas how the NBA could come back. The very first idea that they proposed all right, let's go ahead and do a bubble situation in Las Vegas. And essentially, that was going to be run at the MGM Grand. And I think they have a couple of, uh, of arenas there that they can play uh, basketball. Like, kind of like how they do Summer League, where they have different games going on throughout the day. And that was going to be the plan. But the problem with that was going to be uh, the bubble itself. You know, they, they, they were worried about how many people could go in the bubble, what they were going to do, and all that. So pretty quickly, the Las Vegas idea kind of sputtered out. 
because Las Vegas, they feel, isn't isolated enough to hold that many people for that long, including, you know, testing for COVID and all that shit. So then the next idea we heard was possibly going to Disney World, of all places, in Florida. You know, Florida kind of opened their doors way early on. You know, their beaches were open, I believe, in uh, the end of April. They were, you know, Florida hasn't really taken the COVID-19 as seriously as a lot of other states. And, uh, but that's, I mean, what do you expect? You know, Florida's kind of, it, it, it's just a different state. You know, a lot of the weird things you ever hear about are from Florida. A lot of the weird people are from Florida. Sorry for all you Floridans out there, but you guys know you're fucking weird. You guys know what it is. Florida's just, it's just a weird place, but that one kind of lost steam too, because what people were worried about is, okay, well, if people get it, you know, how many people can go into the bubble? You know, what are we going to do once we're in the bubble? Are we going to be bored? Are we going to just only be able to stay here? Can the families go? You know, it's, and also like a big thing was how many teams are we going to take? Are we going to take the whole NBA? Are we going to take only the 16 teams that were initially in the playoffs when place, uh, place stopped? in March of, um, on March 11th, or are we going to let teams have a play in tournament? So the, the Disney kind of, or Disney ESPN, not ESPN either. Okay. Let's do this a third time. The NBA kind of put that deal to the side too, because they thought that there were too many variables and maybe the players association, uh, headed by Michelle Roberts and Chris Paul as this, as the, the, I guess the president of the players association from the players perspective, he, you know, they didn't think that they would go for that. So then a couple other things happened. They they kind of they 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 thought of the idea of playing the games at the team's training facilities, you know, again with no crowds. I mean, there's no crowds going to be here for any of this anyways, but the idea was for no crowds and then, you know, maybe they'd figure that out and um they they'd do that. They quickly figured out that that wouldn't work. You know, it'd be really tough to put everyone in some type of I guess it's it wouldn't be necessarily a bubble, but it it'd be really hard transporting uh, teams from city to city still without having them test positive for COVID and then therefore making them wait two weeks. So that was, that was stopped. And then we didn't hear anything for a while. And then all of a sudden on March 26th, the NBA proposed, and it was like, I remember it was like a big deal or not March 26th, May 26th. It was like a big deal. It was like, okay, we're doing the Disney thing. Disney is where we're going to wind up finishing this season. And the NBA illustrated an entire plan as to how they were going to do it. So for starters, to start things off, the amount of teams that they were going to put in is what kind of was the most jarring thing. They were going to put 22 teams in this bubble and the eight teams that were already eliminated, or there were eight teams that were going to be eliminated from the playoffs and they were going to be canceled. But the 22 teams is what I kind of have a problem with because there are five teams that aren't in the play that were not in the one through eight playoff seeds in the Western conference, but they still included those teams. Um, like, but they didn't need to include the Suns. The Suns are, you know, six games back in the playoffs. The Spurs are four games back in the playoffs. I don't know. It just, it seemed like they're adding too many teams, but I think it was like the Zion rule. They wanted to try to get Zion Williamson into the playoffs, which I understand. You know, that's, that's a way the NBA can make a bunch of money is bring Zion in there and, you know, have Zion potentially be the eight seed and play the Lakers in the one seed. You know how many views that's going to get? You know how crazy they can sell that? Oh, Zion Williamson and the New Orleans Pelicans against LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the Los Angeles Lakers. That would, that's like fucking, that's box office. You know, that's, that's like, that's pure excitement. That's pure adrenaline. So I think that's kind of why they pushed for 22 teams originally. But so the rules on this are, as my understanding is, uh, so the NBA is going to begin again on July 30th. That's the day that teams are going to be able to start playing in Orlando again. And Actually, facilities in the NBA are going to be opening this, uh, I think it's this Tuesday, the 23rd. 
that's when teams can start going back to their practice facilities. They can start practicing as a team again, enjoying the team facilities and doing all that. So that's next. And then they're going to have, I believe, three weeks of training camp. And they're going to be going to Orlando, uh, middle of July. Uh, I heard they're going to be having three preseason games. And then the season starts July 30th. The season will go from July 30th until August 14th. Each team is going to play about eight games, and that's for seeding. So this is where it gets kind of interesting. So in the Eastern Conference, there are two teams that are still eligible to make the playoffs. It is, or I guess, three. It's the Nets, the Magic, and the Wizards. The Wizards are the nine seed, and they are currently five and a half games back of the eight seed. So there's a possibility that there can be a play-in tournament between the eight seed and the nine seed in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. If the eight seed is four games, uh, is only four games up on the nine seed after the eight games of the regular season play in Orlando, then that will force a tournament between those two teams. So say in the, in the Western Conference, it's the Grizzlies at the eight seed and the Pelicans at the nine seed. So the Grizzlies and the Pelicans would play each other in one game, and if the Grizzlies win, the Grizzlies are the eight seed. If the Pelicans win, they have to win a second time against the Grizzlies, and then they're the eight seed. So it's it's kind of interesting. It's kind of I think they're doing that as kind of like a, I guess it's a it's a makeshift way of you know making sure that it's as fair as it possibly can be. Well, we all know it's not going to be fair. I mean, let's just be honest with this. There's a lot of of moving parts here where it's not going to be fair for everybody. But you know, it, it is what it is. They're wanting to restart the season. They want the finality of this 2019-2020 season. So you know, I'm for it. I'm I'm here for it. So then after that, the playoffs are going to begin August 17th. And from the way it sounds, it's going to be a game every other day. It's going to be a game every other day in within the playoffs. And I think that they're still going to have, it's a best of seven series for each round. Which I think right there, they probably could have done the first and second rounds be uh, best of five. Like they did in the early 2000s and before that. Where all you had to do was win three games in that first round. And then you were, you know, you were on to the next one. Because uh, a lot of that is kind of... You know, you don't really need to beat, you know, if you're the Lakers, you don't necessarily have, should have to beat the Grizzlies four times to prove you're the better team. We all know that the Lakers are a better team, or even on the Eastern Conference, if you're the Bucks, you shouldn't have to beat the Magic four times to declare that you're the better team and you deserve it. But, I mean, I guess they're trying to just make sure that it's consistent with years past, so I understand that. Then the interesting thing is, uh, then they're going to have the finals beginning uh, September 30th, and... Um, then it'll end October 13th. So we're going to have the NBA, this NBA season go almost an entire year with 101 days spread out in the middle. So it's kind of, it's, it's kind of crazy. You know, it's, it's going to be a weird, it's going to be weird moving forward, how they adjust the timelines and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that. So that's kind of the, the practical sense of how the NBA is devised on getting the season started. And, you know, that's, that's what they've laid out in terms of how they're going to do it. Now, obviously, there are, there are variables in this. You know, COVID hasn't gone away. If anything, COVID's kind of plateaued. It hasn't gone down. It hasn't, I don't necessarily know if it's gone up. I don't have enough data to, that I can look at to say that it's gone up. But I know that it hasn't gone down. It's, like I said, it's kind of flatlined. So that's the whole, that's the, the, the large variable within this whole equation is whether or not the NBA will decide to shut down if too many people test positive for COVID while they're in this bubble. Um, and that's kind of that's a lot of the issues that have been going on, and what a lot of the players are uncertain if they're going to be playing, uh, just due to their the health implications that getting COVID or catching COVID might have. Um, there are a lot of different things the NBA has outlined in terms of how they anticipate going through this. Uh, this is an article on ESPN from Brian Windhorst, 
And he basically outlines some of the major details within the NBA's 100-page document that outlines the health, uh, the health aspect that the NBA has overgone into making sure that they can try to keep this bubble a bubble. You know, it's 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 not a bubble, and okay, no, it is a bubble, but the NBA is trying to call it a campus. So what the NBA is doing, you know, they're they're each team is going to be in their own hotel floor. You're not going to be able to hang out with your teammates as much outside, or they're trying to, uh, I guess, restrict those. Um, those, those interactions between teammates and stuff like that. But what the NBA has outlined is they're going to allow the players to have, you know, the restaurants will be open. They'll be able to play golf. Uh, I read that they're going to be bringing in comedians and they're bringing in uh, different uh, artists for concerts and stuff like that to keep everyone entertained while they're in this bubble for about three months time or something like that. Uh, just a lot of different things that they're trying to do to appease the players. So it doesn't feel like the players are so isolated. Because I mean, they're gonna be, and this is kind of like this is kind of what it is. But at the same time, the NBA is allowing for those players that don't want to go, that don't feel comfortable. The players are de- are designated as protected players who do not have to report and will not lose their salaries. So if a player doesn't want to go because they're worried about contracting COVID nineteen, or say like one of these players has you know young children, or they have a wife or a girlfriend that's pregnant and is expecting soon, they don't necessarily have to leave. You know, they, they can stay home and they don't have to play and it doesn't hurt against them, which I think is, I think that is fair, okay? Yeah, the NBA the NBA wants to continue with their season. I know a lot of players want to continue with the season, but that might not be for everybody. Say you're, you know, here's a good example. Say you're on the Suns and you don't have a good chance of making the playoffs anyway. And your wife is pregnant and you don't want to bring, you don't want the possibility of having to bring home COVID-19 from being interacted with all these people who've been spread out all over the United States for the past three months, you don't have to, you don't have to go. And that's fine. You should have that right to not go. And I like that the NBA is protecting those players from not having to go. You know, you don't want somebody that doesn't want to be there, there because what happens is they might not follow the rules completely and it might endanger the whole season, you know, altogether, the collective. Um, One thing I'm not okay with under the NBA's plan is they have a plan in place for anybody that is considered a higher risk. So what this is, is the NBA is deemed, and I guess, you know, the medical professionals have deemed that people over the age of 65 are considered higher risk to contract and have lasting effects from COVID-19. So this brings problems with some of the coaches in the NBA. Greg Popovich is 71 years old. Uh, Mike D'Antoni is 69 years old. And I know that Lakers assistant coach Lionel Hollins is 66 years old. Monty Williams, coach of the New Orleans Pelicans, is 65 years old. There are this this isn't 100% concrete and there aren't a lot of uh, they haven't there's no new developments on this that I've been able to find out. But there is rumors that the NBA will not let uh, coaches over the age of 65 into this bubble. And I have a problem with that. So you're going to tell me that you're not going to let Mike D'Antoni, who basically is the reason why the Rockets are successful in their crazy offense, coach the team. And I, I don't like the Rockets. I don't like James Harden. I don't like Russell Westbrook. I think they're both complainers. Uh, I know James Harden's a really good player, but I just, I don't like, the, but I have to admit their team is, their team is scary because James Harden is ability to get to the free throw line, but not having their coach completely changes what type of team that they are. There's no way the assistant coach can do the same things that Mike Dantoni would do in terms of matchups, in terms of substitutions and stuff like that. I don't, I don't like that. I think what the NBA should allow these guys to do is they should uh, have them sign some, tor- some type of, uh, of contract that says, hey, if you guys get sick, it's on your own accord. I think these guys would sign that. I think these guys want to coach. You know, I, 
I just I, I don't like that aspect of it at all. And the NBA had better not mandate that type of thing. I think it needs to be up to the discretion of the person themselves. I think everyone knows what type of risk they're going into when they go into this bubble and they resume the season here in Orlando. But I think a lot of people are okay with those risks. You know, if I'm if I'm Lionel Hollins and I'm an assistant coach on the Lakers and I'm a you know I'm Frank Vogel's right hand man, you know Jason Kidd being the left hand man. I want to be there. I want to be there for my team. I want to, you know, be in Frank Vogel's ear telling him my defensive strategies that I want to be able to take these guys over with and stuff like that. So I think it should be up to the discretion of the people. I don't think that the NBA should allow these guys who are 65 and older to not go. I think it should be their choice. I know they're trying to protect people, but I just, I don't, I don't like that. Of this proposal that I just thought was really laughable. Uh, Apparently the NBA is going to have a snitch line. Uh, it's literally a snitch line. I don't think they call it a snitch line, but I'm going to call it a snitch line. In fact, you know what? I'm going to call it the D'Angelo Russell line. For those of you that know D'Angelo Russell, uh, you know, what he did with Nick Young, what, four seasons ago when they were on the Lakers? <laughs> so I'm going to call it the D'Angelo Russell line. I just think that it's, it's, I just think it's funny. Plus, he's not in the playoffs, so we can call it the D'Angelo Russell line, so that way he leaves his imprint on the NBA somehow. So basically what this is, is it's a way to anonymously call the NBA and tell them if a player left the bubble. And by leaving the bubble, they automatically have to be quarantined for a certain amount of days and can miss games. So you can tell this would this is so problematic. The conflicts of interest on this are absolutely ridiculous. Um, what you're going to see is, you know, guys be like, oh, you're going to call the NBA and be like, oh, uh, yeah, uh, Commissioner Silver? Yeah, uh, this is uh, Player X. You know, probably call themselves Player X because they're not going to give their name. Yeah, uh, I saw LeBron James leave the bubble on Tuesday night. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that there's a chance he contracted COVID. You might want to go ahead and uh, make him stay away for a few days. Yeah, that, that'd be great. I'd appreciate that. Because you, you could see that happening. That's going to happen because people are petty. Fuck, I'd do it. That's uh, that's you know, that's that's playing chess when everybody else is playing checkers. Of course, you're gonna give false information like that. So I think the tip line's a joke, but it's part of it. That's definitely part of it. And I think that if the NBA wants this whole thing to be taken seriously, they gotta get rid of that. Another crazy thing that I saw just Thursday, it was I was scrolling through my Instagram feed, and I think that Bleacher Report uh, put this up there. It's a wearable ring that players have the option of wearing. That basically will give will give live readouts of their temperatures, and it will track. It's almost like a GPS tracker, but not really. But it's an option. So, first of all, my question is, why isn't this item mass produced for the people in this country to use on a day to day basis to see what their temperature is, and we can you know get back to a little bit of normalcy? You know how crazy that is. That's just like, that's something out of like Terminator 2, you know? It's just, it's crazy technology that I didn't even know that was even capable. It's literally a ring with computers on it, and it measures your your temperature. I guess it's like a small Fitbit or, you know, one of those Garmin watches, but uh, I don't know. I just, I thought that that was weird, and it's it's an option. You know, no one's going to fucking wear that thing. I wouldn't wear that thing. First of all, it's just, it's just tacky. You know, why would you want the NBA and everybody else knowing your temperature and knowing what's going on? You know how easily that is, that, that's hackable? If you're a different team and you want to get some insight on how other players and the other team are doing, you can literally try and hire a guy to hack that information because it's going somewhere and everything's hackable nowadays. You can hack it and you could make the temperature spike and, um, you know, you could, that, that would rule that person out. And that person might not even have any COVID. 
but because you're able to change the temperature from an, uh, a different uh, you know area on someone's laptop and make it change for the actual ring itself, the person wouldn't be able to play in the playoffs. That's that's a joke. I mean, that's just me being the uh, uh, the conspiracy theorist that I am. But I I could see that happening. I could see people trying to do that because you know people are crazy. People are gonna do crazy things like that. So I just I don't like that idea at all. Um, but you know the rest of it, I guess they. There are other aspects of this plan that are okay. I won't get too deep into that because, I mean, those are kind of the main things. And uh, another thing that's kind of interesting is I think it's the, the uh, second round of the playoffs. The players that are still in the bubble, they're going to be allowed to have their families join them, which I think is, is good. I think it's a good incentive because you need to have people in the building. You got to have people watching the games. And I know as an NBA fan, it's going to be really, really weird watching these games without a crowd noise. It's going to be really awkward. It's going to be different. Uh, I know for a fact that the TNT guys uh, over at Turner Sports, because Kevin Harlan said it, they're not going to be in the stadiums or in the arenas uh, broadcasting these games. They're going to be doing it from their Atlanta studios. They're, so they're going to be doing it through a TV screen, and they're going to be calling games that way. That's going to be different. The energy is going to be weird. I heard that there's a possibility they're going to be pumping in fan noise from their uh, from their mics, but I heard it's going to be like the 2K fan noise, so I'm not really sure how I feel about that. It's just... It's going to be different. There's going to be basketball games, and they're going to play, but it's just going to be different. There's just, there's just some different issues. And on top of you know teams kind of being worried, and teams, players being kind of worried about catching COVID, there's you know other developments that have gone on over the past three, four weeks. You know, With all the civil unrest that has been going on, all the protests in the street, all the, the calls for racial equality and you know the, the positive things that are going on with that from the positive aspects of it, some of the players... Uh, don't want to play in the upcoming NBA season or the resumption of it because they feel like it'll take away from everything that they're trying to do, everything that's been going on. And unfortunately, the face that's been put on this is Kyrie Irving. Now, I used to be a huge fan of Kyrie Irving. I always thought that he's been one of my favorite players, and I like him a lot because he has a connection to Kobe Bryant, which a lot of players don't have. But Kyrie Irving's kind of always been uh, just a different guy. He's a flat earther. You know, he's always just thought a lot differently than everybody else. And honestly, over the years, I've tuned him out because he's just a weird guy. Like he came back this year for like one game they lost and they lost because he missed like 25 shots. But at the end of the game, he's like, oh, you know, we once we get the, once uh, he named only like five players on his roster that he wants to play with and basically that they need to get another star, meaning that they have to trade their his teammates. And he was open about that type of thing. He's just, he's not a good guy. So it sucks that, you know, they're tra- they're drawing attention to something that's noble and that's something that's good, but it has to be Kyrie Irving. I wish it was somebody else front and center of that because nobody wants to listen to Kyrie Irving anymore. Kyrie Irving is just, I don't know, he's, his I think his heart's in the right place, but the way he goes about things is completely backwards. Um, For example, he his first comments about starting the season in Orlando again, by the way, He's not even playing. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant on the Nets aren't even playing. They're both injured. They're done for the season. So him having opinions about this is even more strange because he's not even going to be there. And his teams, they're the seven seed right now without him. But his first comments on this were, and I quote, and this is from a piece on the NBA, NBC Sports from Kurt Helen. I don't support going into Orlando. I'm not with the systemic racism and the bullshit. Something smells a little fishy. So... What I take from that is uh, Kyrie Irving believes that the NBA is in a conspiracy to make sure that all the the racial injustices aren't talked about and stuff like that. But that's 
if, if Adam Silver has taught us anything since he has been the commissioner of the NBA is that he is completely aware of the social injustices that exist in our United States today. He's aware of it and he's made a lot of positive changes in how the NBA is done and how things are done. And he's always been front and center in that type of thing. He's the best commissioner in sports right now. And he's probably been the best commissioner in sports all time. I can't think of another good one that's, you know, as good as Adam Silver. But, you know, it's because it's Kyrie Irving, I take everything he says with a grain of salt. That's why I was happy that Avery Bradley of the Lakers came forward and he put a more positive face onto what the NBA players are trying to say about how this is affecting their racial, uh, uh, their, 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 I guess their protests for racial equality. Avery Bradley, if for those of you who don't know, he doesn't have a social media, he doesn't have an Instagram, he doesn't have a Twitter. Avery Bradley's always been a very quiet, reserved guy, but he's well-respected throughout the league as a hard player and uh, just an overall good guy. So when he came forward last week and we heard some of his ideas and how he wants the NBA owners to get involved, how he wants uh, them to promote uh, minority businesses, black businesses, and make them as their vendors at games and, uh, you know, try to do a better job of promoting uh, minorities into uh, positions of authority within NBA teams. I thought that was really positive. I thought what Avery Bradley did is he's like, hey, I, I know that, that everything isn't all that bad. Uh, I know that the NBA, that's, let me take that back. I, I know that the NBA isn't trying to screw us over, but what I feel is the conversations that are going on right now are really positive and they're really good. And I want to make sure that those positive conversations and a lot of the movement that we've been trying to spread aren't completely sidelined by restarting the NBA season. So I get it. I completely understand that. And the way that Avery Bradley pointed it out is way better than the way Kyrie did. And the fact that I think Avery Bradley is a lot more well-respected than Kyrie has something to do with it. You know, Avery Bradley just, he, he was able to get his point across, explain why he feels the way he does and give some examples as to how the NBA can move forward with its players so the players feel comfortable about playing without taking away the message of what the NBA players are trying to talk about. And this is just my perspective. I know you're not going to want a white guy's perspective on on how these guys can do better for racial equality and you know promoting that positive message, but this is how I view it. All these players have a social media following, and they've been doing a lot of the a lot of their their protesting and a lot of their uh, their call to uh, equality on their social medias. Now, when the season restarts they can continue that same word. They can wear the t-shirts that they need to do to, to affect positive change. And they can talk about different things when they're being interviewed in games. All this is going to do, I feel, is create, put everything in a more positive light, give them even you know more grand of a voice. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that if they're able to play these games and these players who were originally you know against maybe uh, starting again, can talk to the media and give them their thoughts in an open platform where a more widespread audience is going to view it. That's good. That's positive. That's exactly what you want. If you're trying to affect change, you want a wider audience. You want a wider range of people listening to what you have to say. You want more people involved with what's going on. So if you're able to talk about these type of things uh, publicly, either whether it be on ESPN or on TNT or ABC, you know, one of these networks that's going to be broadcasting these games you're able to do that, and it's to a greater audience, and you can continue the good word. You know, the TNT show with Shaq and uh, and Kenny and, and EJ and Charles, they're going to be able to talk about this type of thing. They're going to be able to talk about all, everything that needs to be going on, everything that they should that should be going on, and I think that's good. 
I think that's a really good thing. I think that's some of the things that some of the players might be forgetting about. Or maybe I'm just, uh, I'm not as knowledgeable on it as I think I am. I'm just, you know, I'm just using some common sense here for myself and things that I, I think make sense to me. So that's, that's kind of where I view that. But at the same time, I don't want to discredit the players that don't want to play because, you know, at the end of the day, it is just basketball. And, you know, basketball is a sport that will always be there, but it's, I, I understand what they're fighting for. I get it. And I, I completely empathize with what they're trying to do. And um, I, I agree with it. I really do. I agree with what they're trying to do. And I think that's really all what we can do is pass on the positive message and get rid of a lot of the negative messages that are out there. And I think having the players front and center doing interviews, talking to the media, you know, I think that's, I think that's good. I think that's positive change. You know, I, I know that that's, that that's what this country needs. It needs, it needs some, it, it needs some positivity in basketball. And at the same time, you know, basketball people love the NBA. I mean, let's just, let's just call it what it is. People love the NBA. But if you have your, your main stars talking about things that really matter, that, that people really give a shit about, that people should give a shit about, I think that's all good things. I think that keeps the conversation going and it doesn't stop. And we can't have this conversation stop. The conversation needs to continue. It really does. And I think that starting the NBA season and having it played and having the players play is exactly what we all need to begin healing in this country from the crazy 2020 that we've been having. And I really believe that. Um, I think slowly we're starting to be, you know, see positive things, positive changes. And I think the NBA season coming back and the players coming back and everything, you know, the positivity that comes with that and the positive words that can come with that, I think that's all good. I want all of those things. I want all of the positivity that's going on with that. But you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I believe the players have until the end of this week to determine if they're going to play or not. And you know what? As a Lakers fan, I hope Avery Bradley and Dwight Howard, who I didn't really talk much about, play. Because I want to see some good basketball. I want to see some good storylines happen. And also, I want to see these players use their platform to continue the message, continue the, the talk that that they've been talking about on their social medias and at rallies and stuff like that. I want that. I want all the positives. I am all about positives and looking on the bright side of things. And I feel like the NBA restarting in Orlando can begin that healing. I, I want that. I think we all need it. I think we've all been through a lot this year, and I just want everything to start getting back to a little bit of normalcy and a lot more positive change. And we're going to start getting that. I truly believe that. Well, I thank you guys for listening to episode two of the CamCast. Um, it was there's a really deep dive into you know the NBA and everything that goes along with it, everything, all the different storylines that are talking about it, and it's 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 interesting conversation. I really want to hear what you guys have to say about this. If you guys got some, uh, if you guys agree with me, if you guys disagree with me, I want to hear it all. I want to hear everything because I, I think this is really important. This is a grand junction in our, in our country, and I think that we're we're moving in a good light. And I think the NBA coming back will help out with that. So please like, subscribe, share the podcast. You know, go ahead uh, on any platform you want. If you want to go onto the anchor, you can follow that on uh, Anchor.fm/slash/CamCast. Uh, please follow on my Instagram, K-A-M.K-A-S-T. Uh, share the page as often as you can. I want to try to get more of an audience so that way we can start doing some of the other things I have in mind. Um, but until then, you guys, uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk to you guys on the next episode. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.